The views and opinions expressed by the producers, hosts, and guests of Flash Black Radio do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Flash Black or its parent company. Listener discretion is advised. At the end of January 2019, I happened to be scrolling through my Facebook feed when I saw an impassioned call for justice from a friend regarding someone that had been incarcerated for months without having been formally charged. When I inquired further about this matter, my friend, who does not want to be named for this podcast, forwarded me an article from a website called 27east.com dated August 3rd, 2018. So after I read this article, I had even more questions than when I initially had my discussion via Facebook with my friend. There, there were a lot of questions because my friend was telling me things and he was telling me things as best he could remember them, to be fair and to be honest. And he, and he was he was clear about that. He says, I don't remember exactly everything my 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 my, my friend is telling me, but I, I'm relaying it as I can best tell you. And based upon what I was relayed and based upon what I read, the things that just weren't matching up. In one part of the article, it says that Mr. Pellissier was arrested in one place and then later on an article, two paragraphs later, to be exact, it, it said that he was arrested somewhere else. How could he be arrested for the same incident at the same time in two different places? And as best I can tell, it seems as though this information came directly from the police and was given to the news outlet, which makes it sound even more suspect. So the questions that are raised in my mind, is this a Khalif Browder type situation? Are his constitutional, uh, civil, and indigenous rights being violated? Is this an abuse of power by the judicial system, by police enforcement? What is the situation here? The fortunate thing that I can say is I was able to speak to Mr. Pellissier directly through my friend. So he was able to contact him. We spoke via three-way and I could ask him direct questions. Um... And I was able to get, I think, a better understanding of the, of the case. And I believe that there's some things that are just not right with this case, which is why I'm bringing it to this audience so you can make your own opinion. So what we will do now is we're going to pick up where I'm initially being introduced to Julian Pellissier. And you'll hear the conversation in two parts. But this is the first part of the interview. Thank you. The first and last name is Julian Pellissier, P-E-L-L-E-C-I-E-R, from the Shinnecock Nation in Southampton, New York, on Long Island. Okay, okay, great. So, so essentially, what was going on with uh, what was going on is um, again, I saw your your the, the situation with your post or whatever, and between reading the the news article and then also talking to somebody who's more to know about the situation there's some things that didn't add up for me so um from your account could you tell me one uh my understanding is that there was an altercation could you tell me like like as much as you can comfortably without i mean i understand there's some nuances to it so could you tell me as much as you can with regard to how the altercation happened and then what what uh transpired after that the altercation that my cousin Kay's probably talking about was um, I'm I'm politically involved in my my nation, mm-hmm. Shinnecock Nation, 
as Native American, as people, quote-unquote, would say. And, you know, there's a lot of political issues that we deal with. And I'm one of the few young people who, who are uh, coherent about it, and I fight for the, for the wrongs and unjust things that happen on my nation. And we were at a trial meeting about a business venture that me and my cousin were trying to bring to the nation for uh, some type of capital to bring to the nation and ourselves, of course. And um, we weren't we we were treated fairly, and the the, the the trustees, as they call them, which would be the tribal leaders, mm-hmm. they kind of uh, sidestepped us and kind of did the exact same thing without vetting the the the, the money, the investors, and. You know, I had to go through a whole bunch of loops and holes to, to make it proper. Me and Kay put the business proposal forward, and they didn't even give us the opportunity to have a, a, a meeting. So I, 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 I expressed that at our trial meeting, and it kind of got out of hand to where it was like a setup. Some of the tribal trustees' family members were there, and, it, it, you know, it, it got into a kind of heated argument, and then one of them pushed me a few times, and I smacked them, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, they called the police, the state police. Okay. And um, the police came to me and I said, um, I don't want to speak with you. Y'all don't have jurisdiction. You guys don't have jurisdiction up here, and this is a tribal matter. So where where exactly did the police come and speak with you? Did they did they drive onto the reservation? They were already on the nation. I don't call it a reservation. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm speaking out of ignorance. I mean, no dis- disrespect. No, it's all right. It's all right. Because our own people use that word, and that's a quote unquote white man's word. Mm-hmm. And, and legally binding in some places. So I um I was in my cousin's yard and they was driving by and it was like, nah, no, I even videotaped it and put it on Facebook. And I was like, you guys are not allowed up here. You don't have jurisdiction up here. We're not a public law 280. Public law 280 is, uh, is uh, a law that was enacted by Congress that gave the federal government and the state concurrent jurisdiction to, um, to, to tribes. But there were only seven tribes. That, this, that were subjected to this. Shinnecock is not one of them. Shinnecock Nation, is, excuse me, is not one of them. So, so we still maintain authority. You know? So is this one of those and, things, uh, is like, and again, I'm asking out of ignorance, is this one of those things, like I, I remember learning when I was younger, they had this whole notion of civilized tribes or something like that or whatever. Is that what that falls under or what that's associated with? No, we, we were always civilized. I know that. Uh, I know that. I get that. I'm just saying that there's always like the other side of how things are than the, the other side of the narrative, so like like I I don't know this like 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 you said it it fell under seven other tribes so are those the more the more well known tribes I was I would say is it like is this like Apache? Not necessarily. There's just seven. Sure. Um, I think one two in New York State and a few out west, mm-hmm. which gave uh, state jurisdiction to handle matters on a sovereign nation. Mm-hmm. But even that gave uh, native on native no jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. It was it was basically built for outsiders to go on uh, Indian lands, quote unquote, to to protect them. Right. But our nation never accepted that, and we never uh, sacrificed any of our sovereignty. Makes you know? sense. So we we um that's what I was fighting for. So when they came there, I said, "You're not allowed up here." La 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 la. Make a long story short. Nine days later, the state police knocked on my door at nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And 29th of July is to, to be exact. And I'm like, come outside, and I'm like, what's up? He's like, oh, nothing, Julian. We just here to serve you some paperwork, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I looked in his hand. There's three officers. And um, I said, okay, well, 
who's the complainant? Because he didn't have any paperwork. Mm-hmm. When you do it, it's all like, you have a complaint. Somebody has to be the complainant. So mm-hmm. I'm like, complainant. Basically, where's the paper in your hand that you're supposed to be serving if you came here to serve me something? He said, oh, it's over in the car. I said, okay, so let's go see. And um, I said, on the way to the car, I'm like, you know you're not allowed up here, right? I said, this is for the incident that happened at the um, the meeting at the um, center. I said, you guys don't have any jurisdiction to hear this matter. And technically, I was the one that was struck. I was defending myself. He said, well, this guy did it. This and I said, I took it. He basically, I said, you're not allowed up here. He goes in his superiors when I find out later and says, I said I was going to shoot him. He's not allowed up here. This, that, and the third. But to get back to the story, when I came out of my house, I seen them walking up the driveway. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I want to see what they were going to do. At the time, there were medicinal medical marijuana plants in the yard also. Mm-hmm. Right? So I seen them walk over there. So as we were walking up the steps and going to the car, his, 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 the squad car, I said, and don't worry about that. I said, that's medicinal. And I said, it's lawful on the nation. He said, oh, okay, I didn't even see that. He was lying. So um, after I got the summons and whatnot, remind you, he had two other officers with him. And they left, blah, blah, blah. They come back nine days later. So this is 18 days after the incident? Yes. Okay. They, um, no, pardon me. Nine days after the tribe meeting. Got you. So it's nine days. I okay, same. My house got it. Five days after that day, I see a helicopter circling my cousin's yard. I'm like, yo, what the hell is going on? I thought maybe a boater had uh, lost their boat in the creek because it's water next to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, come on, let's leave. We left the nation and I went to the gas station. And the state police came out of everywhere. And they locked me up, uh, confiscated my car, took me to the troopers' barracks, me and uh, two of my cousins. They went back to my house, uh, raided my home. Destroyed my cars, broke my windows out. Uh, my home, they just broke my door down. My home, confiscated all the plants, and um, charged me with a bunch of crimes, alleged crimes, offenses rather. And I've been fighting it ever since. No search warrant, and uh, I've been fighting them ever since. And I, they know I beat them because of the merits of what I've been saying and how I asserted my rights in court. And the basis of most of this was to show people how to assert their rights, safeguard themselves so they're not railroaded by the system, these lawyers and these attorneys and these prosecutors and judges who really are not working in their favor, you know. And um, that's what I did from the beginning, and it's it's over six months now, and according to the 3030 rule in all criminal procedure law books in all states and the Sixth Amendment, you have the right to a speedy trial. Mm-hmm. I've surpassed 180 days, which is the six months. I've surpassed the 90 days if you're incarcerated to, to for the people to be ready for trial or announce their readiness. And it's it's been like an uphill battle to 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 prove my innocence because the burden of proof is not on me. It's actually on the on the people to prove that I am guilty when I've been maintaining my innocence from the whole get up. Because as a sovereign nation, we are allowed to uh, produce what we call in my language, hempe, which is a word word that's over 10,000 years old. And I made um, a medicine out of organic plants, having CBD being one of the components of such for a uh, multi-million dollar business venture for healing people. Mm -hmm. 
So they, they, they kind of messed up a lot. And now they know that I was, I'm competent on the law and I got them, basically. Mm-hmm. I put in a notice of intent for claim for $100 million against Southampton Town, Suffolk County. I also put in $100 million against state police. But when this is all said and done, I'm going to sue them and they know it. Because um, uh, I'll go into some of the law before this gets this phone tangled because it's 15 minute increments. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know when you get arraigned, the first thing they'll do is they'll tell you about your charges, which they have to do by law. Somebody filed the accusatory instrument, which is the felony complaint by the police officers, right? Now that con- constitutes the beginning of your 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 your, your, your crime, your charge, the, the proceedings. Now they have 180 days after that to bring you to trial. They have six days after that to indict you. In my case, they indicted me in nine days when they should have RR'd me. What's RR? RR is released on your own recognizance. Okay. Meaning, we'll let you out. You're not a flight risk. Any of this. In my case, they did. They said no bail, so they're holding me hostage. You know, first thing I did was as soon as she, the lady started talking. You have one minute left. Let's see what I mean. Um, it's gonna hang out. You want me to call back, Kay? Or it's at this very point. Yeah, you, you, you can call back. I'm gonna call back, sir. Okay. All right, and then I'll go right into it from right. there. That way we can get it on record. All right, okay, cool. I'll call you right back. All right. The caller has hung up. I wind up waiting for a couple minutes before I get the call back, and then Mr. Pellissier is ready to jump right back into the conversation right where he left off. All right, all right, I'm ready to go. Okay, right. y'all ready? Yes, sir. Okay, now, like I said, our people, it's important for us to safeguard ourselves, especially being from a sovereign nation. Or if you're wrongfully convicted or not convicted or accused of a wrongdoing, as we would say it in law, not legalese, law. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I go to the court, I said I object to these proceedings for the record. I don't call them your honor because they don't act honorably. So I said um, I, I object to these proceedings. I challenge the jurisdiction of this court as I am from the sovereign nation, the Shinnecock Nation, a sovereign, self-governing nation. Um, I also said for the record, I demand to testify to the grand jury on my own behalf. What they do not tell our people is that you have the DA will the prosecutor will slide you a piece of paper in court as if that's proper um, service, which is not. That's process of service. I can get into that. Y'all can look that up. I'm gonna just give you the jewels for you to search on your own. Um, and um, what they'll do is say, okay, we're going to the grand jury. They give you five days to answer that. Suffolk County prison system is they lock you in solitary confinement for seven days six to seven days, it's impossible to get a pen, a paper, a stamp, an envelope, any of that to rebut that, and you have to serve the district attorney with such notice that you want to go in front of the grand jury. So, hey, you're supposed to state for the record, I demand to testify on my own behalf at the grand jury. And that's called, and in New York State, I'm pretty sure other states, it's the 190.50 rule. And um, like criminal procedure law in New York State, criminal procedure law 190.50A, states that you have a right to testify at the grand jury on your own behalf. They're not letting people do this. And if you were to, say, blow trial, if they were to take you all the way and you were to blow trial, you could get a reversal and acquittal based on that alone because they just denied you due process of law, Sixth Amendment, Fourteenth Amendment, equal protection of the law, because they failed to give you um, a fair trial. They didn't let you testify on your own behalf to present evidence to the court. I asserted that on the record. The, le- the legal attorney, which means a torn to stick to, they tried to say that 
I was not allowed to verbally assert my right to testify at the grand jury, and I looked at her like she was crazy. I said, uh, you're not competent in the law, and you're fired. I am allowed to. I have to check on that. I said, no, you don't, because um, 190.58 states that you have the, rest the, the right to testify on your own behalf, and I did such the first day. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't, they couldn't use that against me to say the indictment was, we got the indictment properly because we gave you the opportunity to testify as your own witness. So it makes the, the, the indictment defective, as they call it. Um, one second. Uh, and um, Criminal Procedure Law 180.66, 60, Subdivision 6, defendant may, may as a matter of right testify on his own behalf, not privilege, meaning you have the right to do that. And um, 190.50C provides that an indictment obtained in violation of its provisions is invalid and must be dismissed. Meaning if you don't afford me the right to testify as my own witness on my behalf, your indictment is defective and pursuant to criminal procedure law 210.20A, the indictment is, is defective is what they call it. Meaning it's, 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 it was improperly obtained and they can't move the case. Uh, they're supposed to dismiss it, but people are ignorant to the law. They'll tell you ignorance of the law. In the Bible, it states that my people shall perish for lack of knowledge. So they're saying, well, we're not going to tell you your rights, but they, they um, abuse your rights at the same time. So now I go into 210.20, which is a motion to dismiss an indictment due to it being defective no matter what state you're in, because the CPL law might change due to what state you're in, but the words will never change. So if the, if the indictment is defective, um, in New York State, it's 210.28. Indictment is in violation of 210.252. The allegations demonstrate that the court does not have jurisdiction of the offense charged. I challenge the jurisdiction stating that you don't have jurisdiction of this crime or this alleged offense because I'm from a sovereign nation. Another, that's yeah. geographical jurisdiction. Another form of jurisdiction is personum jurisdiction, which is personal jurisdiction. So if I serve as my own counsel, I'm a man and I'm not a ward of a state or deemed under the age of 18 or incompetent, like if you are, if you have an attorney to attorney to. And then there is um, subject matter jurisdiction. Once they deny you due process of law, the court automatically loses subject, subject matter jurisdiction and you cannot get it back. Once you deny somebody due process, there's no reversing. Everything is called void ab initio, meaning it's been void from its inception. Not voidable, but void. It can be overturned at any time. Um, uh, same thing with 210.20a, that the indictment is defective pursuant to uh, subdivision 1c. The grand jury proceeding was defective within the meeting of 210.354. The defendant was not accorded an opportunity to testify before the grand jury. Also, 210.21G, the defendant has been denied the right to a speedy trial. Or H, there exists some jurisdictional or legal impediment to conviction. So a lot of people's indictments are defective and they don't know any better they didn't know that they're denied, they, they were denied due process. They didn't know that the 14th Amendment mandates all judges to provide equal protection of the law. They took an oath to uphold the Constitution to provide you with equal, equal protection of the law, and they're failing to do so. And I asserted my rights, and I let them know that on the record. I also told the judges, for the record, you deny me equal protection of the law as the 14th Amendment states you are required to do so, which you took an oath to uphold the Constitution by doing so, and you failed to do so. You deny me due process of law. So, um, 
Um, another thing is, in this case, I'm putting all this now so you can you can replay it and be like, okay, I'm slower. You know what I'm saying? Just so I can get it out there because mm-hmm. the time is limited. Um, also, the police officer lied on me. It's something called hearsay. Hearsay is not admissible in a court of law. If my cousin Kay is is going to the store and a lady said he hit his car and she goes to the police station, didn't stay at the scene, it's hearsay without any witnesses or any video proving such. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like anybody can say he robbed me. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, somebody robbed him or something. Mm-hmm. allegedly, and they say, well, they took 10000 from me when you only had 50 cents in your pocket. Mm-hmm. That's hearsay. You want to prove it. Now, if you leave the bank with $10,000 in cash and somebody robs you and that person gets apprehended, even if they don't have the money, but you have the receipt of the $10,000 and you were on video for the last five minutes, you can prove that. That hearsay becomes real evidence now is what I'm saying. The officer made a statement to say I said I was going to shoot him. A D felony. They arrested me five days later. It's impossible to do that. That's called acting in concert. So basically, if somebody was robbing a bank in front of a police officer or going on a murder spree, you're going to let him continue to do the crime for five days? Mm-hmm. No, you're just as guilty as the person you accused. So that's 210.41E, an exceptionally serious misconduct of law enforcement personnel in the investigation, arrest, and prosecution of the defendant, which again makes the indictment defective. All right. So and let now, me ask you this very quickly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, you obviously, first and foremost, uh, you are not actually like educated formally as a lawyer, correct? No, I would never do so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so lawyer is synonymous with liar. Yeah. You see? Yeah, yeah. So they don't have the practice law. They yeah. only have admissions to the bar. No. Yeah. It's not a license. Yeah. So my my the reason why I'm asking that is because um I my my commentary was essentially I believe as a person who is aware of the historical context in in terms of being a member of a sovereign nation and being a native who is indigenous to this land who is aware yes. and fully knowledgeable of all the atrocities and broken promises um that oh, yeah. have come from the U.S. government it would behoove you. To be somewhat of a lawyer in in a sense, in the sense that you know the law and know how it functions in situations like these. So yes. my, my my question then to you becomes what is their play? Because it, it feels like when when I heard about this story and it's like, okay, he's being held. Um my understanding was so you were you, you were charged formally, yes? Or no? Yes. Okay, you were yes, charged. You were charged, okay, but they have not. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Unlawfully. Okay. As we would. Right. So, um, it it feels as though this was reminiscent of Khalif Browder. That's the first thing I thought of. Exactly what it is. I told my cousin K that, and they're trying to make me break, but I'm a strong man. I'm a I'm 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 a creator fearing man, and they I will not fall to to the the the, the tricks their you know foolery because I'm I have daughters that need to go home that I have to go home to and I'm fighting for my nation even though they're ignorant they're not competent in the law I have to fight for them even though they won't fight for me so it's it's still going to be there a hundred years from now a thousand years from now because they listen to all these lawyers and these politicians and not know the law and behind closed doors they're trying to take the land from them Right. 
So it's not just me. And that's exactly what the story is. The same thing. And they just dismissed his case. My case is already, I already beat my case. It's already surpassed the speedy trial limitations. It's impossible to go to trial with me. Impossible. Mm -hmm. I have forgeries of the district attorney's signature on my indictments, which is fraud, literally forged. Yeah, it, it's that bad. I filed motions at the county clerk's office. The county clerk's office sent them to the court. The court was foolish enough to stamp them and then send me back the originals. When they're supposed to file the originals, they were wise enough. They should have kept the, the originals and act like they filed them. Mm -hmm. This is how bad it is. Even the clerk's office is in on this because they're like, this dude's got us. He's got us. He really has us. Not so, to cut you off, but yeah, it's bad. No, I get it. So um, what, what, in your estimation, is the play here? Like, what, what, what is, is this like a, a, an attempt to save face? Like, maybe if we stretch yeah. this out and... How long do you feel yeah. as though they can stretch this out before, you know, like they have to let you I, go? I put in a, what you what is called a writ of habeas corpus. Now, a Supreme Court judge has to come to this to this jail to the, at, in the chapel and based on the merits, check to see if he's going to let me go that day or not. Based on what I have here, he should do so. But due to the corruption that's been going on here, I don't know. So I'm just going through the steps and I'm getting a paper trail of everybody involved in this because we have a new attorney general now, Letitia James, beautiful black woman who, 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 who her whole uh, campaign was fighting corruption and there is no corruption small enough. So I'm just putting a perpetual record now to like, yo, listen, all these people are guilty. Even the, the administrative judge, he stood up in court. When I said, for the record, I object, he stood up and said, you're not allowed to speak. I was like, I talk when I want to. I said, you're trespassing my case because the judge is a trier of fact. They're not supposed to testify on the record. When they talk, that's testifying without firsthand knowledge. So when he stood up, he abandoned the bench is what they call it. I wrote, a, um, I wrote the Commission of Judicial Misconduct about his conduct, and there's an investigation going on now uh, against him because he's the one that's supposed to know all this stuff. When you are competent in the law, these people try to give me a psych evaluation under CPL 730. That's why when they call it 730 in all states, 730.30 is um, um, a mental examination. So that's where the term comes from when they say you 730. Yes. This is a <laughs> lawful, the legal term. 730.30 subdivision 1 states that upon opinion of one being mentally incapacitated, um, an order for examination must be done pr um, after arraignment and, pri and, and, and before the presentment of the action to the grand jury. Meaning, after you get arrested and arraigned, the judge is supposed to say, oh no, you're crazy, I'm ordering you for a psychic evaluation. You have one minute left. That's when they deem if you're competent enough to stand trial. If you are, they continue the case. If you aren't, they... They postponed the case. It's been over six months now, and they tried to give me one three weeks ago, which is illegal. Once again, we have to disconnect. I have to wait a few minutes. I get the call back, and once again, Mr. Pellissier is right back on it. So back on what I was saying with the 730, yes. That's why they call that 730 crazy. They use that to suppress people. He might know too much. Let's say he's crazy. Meanwhile, in Suffolk County, people who really are mentally uh, um, incapacitated, as they call it, they let them go to trial and serve as their own counsel, represent themselves. Backwards out here. So 
just think about it. I'm, I can prove that the state police fabricated this case, perjured themselves, searched my home without warrants under, what is that, Criminal Procedure Law 690.15 for search warrants, which has to specify the home, the, the, the cars, the person, which are three different ones. You've got to get one for the person, one for the, uh, the home, one for the, 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 the vehicles. Mind you, I was arrested off the Shinnecock Nation. They went on the nation and ransacked my home when I was supposed to be there. You see, so now I can prove that not only the police are corrupt, the district attorney, the judges, and the clerk's office are corrupt. So they're saying, oh, no, he's crazy. We got to say he's crazy so nobody will believe him. But I, my mind is so sharp on law because I wasn't out there going to parties and clubs. I was studying the law for over 10 years. Not legalese. Legalese is statutes and codes. That's what lawyers learn. Law is something called the Constitution, and people need to start reading that. When they say Constitution, they're people of color. Okay, that may be true. But if I'm beating them at their own law, it's obvious they did something wrong. I'm not using sovereignty. I'm not using my tribe's sovereignty. I'm using criminal procedure law. If you say I did something wrong, I'm saying I didn't do something wrong. And I seem to be the one that's proving you wrong. What, what's, what's going on here? So what they do is say, oh, he's crazy. There's a, there's a Supreme Court case, which is the highest court in the land. Merritt versus Hunter. M-E-R-I-T versus Hunter. It states that when a court fails to provide safeguards, it amounts to denial of due process. And the court is denied jurists. What layman's term, what that means is when the court, which is the judge, fails to provide you the 14th Amendment, equal protection of the law, the right to a fair trial, the right to a speedy trial, the right to have assistance of counsel of choice, they fail to do any of that. They just denied you due process of law, which they lose subject matter jurisdiction. Subject matter jurisdiction is the, the authority to move the case. And the court is... Deprived of jurist means they just lost jurisdiction. You cannot move a case without jurisdiction. It's impossible. One would put in a motion to dismiss this case for lack of jurisdiction. Why? Because you just denied me every right in the Constitution that you swore by oath to uphold. You know. So I say this to people that this they start being aware of what's going on in the world, and um, they're not blindsided. If the police stop you for no reason and give you a charge, God forbid, and, and, and there's no tickets to warrant the probable cause of stop, you can beat it. And that's what, 210.40, 1E, any exceptionally serious misconduct of law enforcement personnel in the investigation, arrest, and prosecution of the defendant. Now, to continue what I'm going with, um, you have what's called malicious prosecution. So if I'm stating that all this stuff happened to me, on and for the record, and the prosecutor is sitting there listening to this, if she moves that case, what now is, is, is called malicious prosecution and prosecutorial misconduct. All right? Now, mm -hmm. um, I have something on that, too. It's right here. I could just look in my... Like I'm about to open this. I could just look in my... Um, my uh, I put in a 14-page... A 14-page motion to dismiss that I wouldn't want to answer if I was the DA. They, they, they sent it back to me, like I told you. Now, here's one case. Fabrication of evidence constitutes a violation to the right to a fair trial. Ying Lee v. 
versus the city of New York. That's a New York City case. Because if you fabricated the evidence and you brought it to trial, it's the prosecutor's duty. It's called exculpatory evidence to prove that I'm innocent. He did this unlawfully. You know, and, and people are not understanding that. They just say, okay, I'm, I'm wrong. Not necessarily you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to start learning the rights that they have. Um, malicious prosecution, according to Ruffle versus Smith, 68F, Third Department, is as follows. A lack of probable cause for commencing the proceeding and actual malice as motivation, meaning did something illegal, unlawful, just to get a search of your car without your consent or your home or, or, or just ran up in your house without a search warrant and use that evidence to get you arrested and prosecute the case. And the prosecutor continued the case knowing such. So what do they do? They get you to take a plea bargain. One of my ex-girlfriends was a lawyer. She went to college and she said, Julian, all they do is teach you how to um, plea bargain. Who wants a lawyer that plea bargains as opposed to a, a lawyer that wins trials? Johnny Cochran, God bless, stated verbatim, the reason why I'm so successful is because there's something wrong in every case. I started to find these wrongs and I started to fight them. And then I started helping people in here because I told my mother, I said, Mom, as long as they keep me in here, I'm going to keep helping people get home. So if they continue to do that and there's like, let's say, um, let's say they, the, the, the people, which is actually the DA representing the people, state that they're ready to go to trial. It's called false ready delay if they do not go to trial. They deny you the Sixth Amendment and your 30-30, your speedy trial right. And that would be abusive process. Abusive process is defined as the improper and torturous use of a legitimately issued court process to obtain a result that is either unlawful or beyond the process scope. And that's Black's Law Dictionary, the 10th edition. Or it's a use of process in a perverted manner to obtain a collateral objective. Coriano versus Swazi, meaning you did, you, 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 you went out the scope of law to try to obtain evidence to prosecute somebody and did it the wrong way, or you weren't supposed to do it, which would make the evidence inadmissible. It's called fruit of the poisonous tree. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are getting cases that are fruit of the poisonous tree. Thrown out. They're not competent in the law, and they go in there and they listen to a lawyer. I got you. They send it there, and all they do is make them take a plea. And a lot of people are innocent, but they get so scared that they want to take something because they say, well, if you blow trial, this is what's going to happen. The judge told me, Mr. Pellissi, you're facing a minimum of seven and a maximum of 15. I looked at him like he was crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, all right. I don't know who you think you're talking to. In my earlier years, I'd have been like, oh, my God, what's going on? But I digressed from a certain lifestyle and progressed to being conscious and politically connected to my nation mm-hmm. for the betterment of the next seven generations, as we say. It. Mm-hmm. So I studied law because it's beneficial in politics especially as a nation, a, a sovereign country, because business, it's all about law. Mm-hmm. And our people are either A, incompetent, or B, in the know, and are depriving their own people of their true rights. And I won't stand for it. Okay. I won't stand for it anyway. So you know? let me ask you this. I have a, I have a, uh, I have a comment first. Um, I actually posted an article, I want to say yesterday, that was in the New York Times, and it was mm-hmm. focusing on a lawyer that had 194 cases. Uh, he was a he was a public defender, and he had 194 cases 
And they were talking about the amount of time that he had to actually prepare for each case. And he said, at best, yeah. people will get like five minutes of his time in court. Um, and yeah. at, at worst, it's like he's like, you know, he's got a minute to basically like give them some type of uh, information that he'll whisper to them re- really quickly in terms of what they should do. And, uh, and yeah. he wasn't even a worst case scenario. There's another ca- uh, lawyer that had 434 cases, that, that 434 active cases. So um, in terms of not being able to actually uh, provide, um, it's not just competent legal help, um, but it's also adequate. Adequate, yes. exactly, because there's not enough uh, help to go for people who actually do public defense. It's not a sexy job. It doesn't pay the most. You often don't get help like uh, paralegals. You don't have a lot of financial backing. Um, so that was the thing that um, that I posted yesterday. And also, uh, it's being picked up more so in, in media. Uh, there was there were a couple episodes on the show called Queen Sugar that focused on it, uh, talking about how a lot of people were basically being ushered through the system and how it happens yeah. and how they try to force people to plea. Uh, so yeah. I think it's becoming more of a public uh, public uh, uh, thing that people are becoming aware of. Of course, with the Khalif Browder situation, um, that story broke my heart. I was aware of it, but like watching the documentary was just heartbreaking, man. So um, when I heard about your situation, I was like, well, like, look, if there's anything I can do with the brothers on point, whatever, and he, he, he it is what you say it is, then I can't not say something. So I appreciate it. it's all good. So and this is why I stress the fact that people need to start learning the law so you can work with the attorney if that's what you want to do. And the reason why they do that is because you have lawyers that don't have a private practice. But the state treasury department says, okay, you're going to take these cases. I'm going to pay you a few thousand dollars to take these cases. So they take 150 cases and just, they, they, they take a workload. All right, I take it, I take it, I take it, I take it, I take it. They don't even research their cases and say, listen, okay, this is what I'm going to, okay, this is what I'm going to get you. And talk to the, the prosecutor. What are we going to do with this? Okay, you're going to take two? All right, you want to take two years? If not, you go to trial. I don't want to go to trial. Okay, take the two then. All right, I'll take the two. Just to get them out, to get the next case load in to get more money. It's about greed. They're not working with the people. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. Now, if you know the law, you go in there and say, no, 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 no. You're not going to jerk me. Go tell the prosecutor you can't do this because the search warrant was invalid pursuant to 690.50. You had to describe the personal place or thing that you were searching. And if not, pursuant to Matt versus Ohio, anything that was found in, in violation of, uh, of the Sixth Amendment, the search warrant, is deemed an admissible in a court of law and it's fruit of the poisonous tree, and I'll get it back on reversal. Then you tell them what you want. I'll take a misdemeanor right now, time sir. You see? But nobody's doing that. Mm-hmm. That's why I and people like me come in to help the masses. We ain't saying I'm not playing devil's advocate. You you do something that is heinous and I get you off. No no no, sir. I'm just being fair. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be my calling. Why I came in here because I don't send people home already. But it's sad to see something like that. And I read something prior to that a few months ago how people got all these caseloads and you're not you're not for the people because if you were you would come visit them you would see them and get spend and at least an hour to to go over their case to discuss the the worst and the best case scenario. Nobody's going to trial because it costs one hundred fifty thousand dollars to go to trial. You know. You said count. Okay. okay. So let me let me let me let me say this because uh, I understand that I heard count. So let me let me ask this. What is your hope? What do you want to get out of this after this is all said and done? Because you've obviously made a stance and you, you, you're, you're, t- you're taking a risk. Uh, it's a calculated yeah. risk, obviously, but you're taking a risk. That's I understand that you, yeah, your job. I understand that you were, you were dealing with some other things, like personal issues with your family. Uh, that, that, that has since been, uh, compromised, uh, at least for now. Um, 
What is your hope? What do you? What is? What is it? What is your goal at this My point? Goal, I don't hope because I know it will. It it, it, it will manifest is to get people aware of their true the, um, rights and to be aware of what they can and cannot do to you as a, as a, as a people and, 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 and get some type of justice for real. Justice reform is what it's really called. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, yep. um, for people to stand up for their rights and for their people, that's it. You yep. know, don't let somebody just say something and you just you research it and, and prove them and prove it because the burden goes, is shifted to the court, not the person, you know, right. just want people to get a fair shot at life, period. And not be manipulated by a system that was designed to keep us down. And this is, I don't have to rehearse on it. This is the truth. All right, see, I'm going right now. I appreciate the extra time. I love y'all, love and light. And okay. if you don't stay positive, and when I can call back, I shall. Well, look, look, man, we, like, we, 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 we praying for you, brother. And look, like, when it comes down to it, man, when you get out, holler at us, let us know, what, let us know how I things will. are going. All right? I'm here for the people. I'm coming home. I'm just here for the people and to put the word down. I appreciate it. Everybody stay positive, and I, I appreciate your time. All right, man, Thank stay you. strong, bro. Everybody. All right, peace. All right. The caller has hung up. So that's the first part of the interview. And I wanted to go back and talk to Julian again because after I interviewed him, I felt the need to go back and read the article again. And when I did, the article made even less sense than it did when I read it initially. And the time after that and the time after that. Just having a conversation with this man who knew his rights and he knew the legality issues that were involved, it just seemed even less plausible that this article was on point. So it dawned on me that maybe I should discuss the article with him because I wasn't sure whether or not he had heard the article before. So this part of the interview is literally me just going back and letting him hear what was written about him in that day. The uh, staff here let you go a little longer, so I'm going to try to say as much as I can say before they, you know. Okay. All right. Well, cool. So, for me, honestly, what, what um, I wanted to uh, do a follow-up for, and thank you again for making time, Um, what I wanted to do a follow-up for is because I, I, I think you got a, a good chance to clarify some things mm -hmm. and to speak, uh, uh, speak on things as you know and understand them to be. But one thing I did not get to do is I did not to discuss I did not get a chance to, to discuss the article with you directly. Um, so first and foremost, were you aware of the article that um, I read from the um, is uh, the public is called Twenty Seven East dot com? I guess it's a local paper. Are you familiar with that article that was that was printed about you? You you said about me? Yeah yeah yeah. Um, no, I just know 27East.com is a, a paper out where I'm at mm -hmm. in the Hamptons. Okay. So as a little bit of backstory, um, one of the things that I thought was, um, you know, uh, first I heard your story and what was going on and then I saw the article. So okay. in seeing the article, I was like, okay, some of this stuff just doesn't line up to me based upon what I've heard. And it's one of those things like if you if it's in reverse order, if you if you see the article first, if you're not really like paying attention, uh, there might be some things that you miss. Um, so I wanted to know if it's cool. I can read you the article very quickly apart if I flub a few things, but I want to read the article to you very quickly and then yeah, just and then just get your take. Like if there's anything you want to directly address, because I thought there's some things in there that were interesting. I'll point out what I thought was interesting first. Is that yeah. cool? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. So. This article uh, was published originally on August third, twenty eighteen, and I believe it was up. Hmm? 
Hmm? I was arrested August 3rd. Okay. So it was published originally August 3rd, 2018. And then it was updated, I believe, on the 7th. Um, I, I copied and pasted the entire article into a Word file. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just in case um, it got taken down or something like that. So I'm reading from that. Okay, an All article right. reads like this. <clears throat> a resident of the Shinnecock Indian Re- Reservation was arrested by state police on Friday and charged with multiple felonies, including making a terroristic threat. Julian Pellissier, 40, was arrested at his home on Old Point Road following an investigation stemming from an incident that occurred four days earlier. Police said troopers had gone to Mr. Pellissier's home on July 29th to serve a criminal summons, and when they arrived, he told the troopers he would shoot them if they returned. On Friday, members of multiple state police divisions arrested Mr. Pellissier during a traffic stop, and a search warrant was executed at his home, according to police. During the search, police said multiple items were found, including a loaded 45 caliber pistol that had been reported stolen, a 12-gauge shotgun, marijuana, concentrated cannabis oil, and 36 marijuana plants. Mr. Pellissier was charged with making a terroristic threat, second-degree criminal possession of a weapon, third-degree criminal possession of a weapon, fifth-degree criminal possession of a stolen property, and fifth-degree criminal possession of, of a controlled substance with the intent to sell, all felonies, and fifth-degree criminal possession of marijuana, a misdemeanor. Mr. Pellissier was taken to a Southampton Town Police Headquarters in, Southamp- excuse me, in Hampton Bays, where he was held for morning arraignment in Southampton Town Justice Court at 9 a.m. on Saturday. He's being held without bail at the Suffolk County Correctional Facility in Riverside and is due back in court on September 6th. So, in reading that, <laughs> there are some things that, that, that struck me as odd. So, the first yeah. thing, the first thing, and then going back and reading it, especially after talking with you or whatever, the first thing that struck me as odd is it says in the second paragraph, that you were arrested at your home on Old Point Road. Yes, this is true. Now you start to see where it's at. They, okay, they so and, right? then follow, and then following that, you go down a couple of paragraphs, two more paragraphs, it's and it says on Friday that you were arrested during a traffic stop. So how are you arrested it at was, your home and during a traffic stop at the same time? Even the, it, even the traffic stop is a lie. I was at the gas pump. I had gotten out of my car to pump the gas, and the cars came from anywhere and, held, and, and pulled the guns out. I was like, don't move. A plane's closed off. So I'm like, who the hell? It wasn't even a traffic stop, which they can take the video from um, the Speedway gas station on August 3rd at about 2.20, around, yeah, 2.15, 2.20, and that could show exactly I was out in my car about to pump my gas, and the, the police came out of anywhere, so even that's a lie. Okay, so yeah. so the uh, I, I guess the only thing that to me, like, uh, I, I felt like there there's one of those things like they 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 threw something information out there whatever but they didn't they didn't actually substantiate anything so okay they're saying a criminal summons I mean excuse me um they're saying that a search warrant was executed at the home yes that's, uh, that's according false. to police yeah there was never a warrant because they were supposed to furnish me with a copy of such upon demand or shortly after the arrest and I asked and the trooper. Kevin R. Drew stated, there is one. I said, okay, well, where is it? You have to give me one. There was never a valid search warrant because a search warrant it takes three parts. You have the application, the affidavit, and the order. The application is the officer saying, I need this. I have probable cause to, to, have to believe that there's something in here or there or there, mm-hmm. which you have to specify what the home um, a vehicle or a person that you need the warrant for. It's three different warrants, a home, 
um, person or vehicle. You have to specify the, exactly what you're doing. Then you have to have the affidavit, a sworn statement of fact, proving that you have credible evidence that you can prove what you what, what you are certain. Then there's the order from the judge. And the judge has to sign that order based on credible information. There was never a warrant because they would have to have a warrant to even go on the Shinnecock Nation. You'd have to have a separate warrant to go into my home. They just broke my door down. Then you'd have to have a warrant to search my cars. I have four cars, you know. And then my cousins had um, there's actually three other cars over there. One, my deceased cousin, truck. He's he's in the back. And there was one of my cousins who passed his car, and my cousin's car was in there. So you have to have separate warrants for everything that you were searching. They said I was. I was um, I, they went to my home where they found a loaded firearm, which is false, because even the, um, the first lawyer, her name is Melissa Canis, she said, so they, they, they found a, uh, a weapon. Did you possess a weapon? I said, no, I didn't possess no weapon. I was arrested at the gas station with two of my cousins. They can prove that. I said my aunt was there when they ran in my um my home and busted my cars out my 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 um and busted the windows out of my car. They they did I didn't have any weapon. Um the lawyer, Melissa's Canis, says so they, they, they found a they said they found a um a loaded handgun in an engine of a red car. Whose car is that? I said, That's not my car. I said, if that's the case, why am I being charged with it? So I, I told her and another lawyer by the name of Jason Bassett, I said, well, you need to challenge the chain of custody so it'll prove my innocence. Mm-hmm. You see, that's the most serious charge. They failed to do that. Mm-hmm. Then um, they could say there was a, a shotgun. They didn't tell you the fact that, yes, I don't have to lie. There was a shotgun in my home, but it wasn't put together mm-hmm. for one. It wasn't mine. It's actually a hunting shotgun. There was no ammunition to, to, to use for that shotgun in my home. They didn't add that to the fact. Like you had to literally manually put this together. Mm-hmm. It says that one thing about um, like, like duck hunters, mm-hmm. when the season is up, you clean and you take, you take apart the shotgun. So, you know, it's ready for next year. Mm-hmm. But they didn't say the fact that it was, in, it was by the door, it was in two pieces, and it wasn't put together. They didn't have a valid search warrant. You know, mm-hmm. so they lied and just put charges on me mm-hmm. for no reason. And it, it's funny that you said it because other people were saying something don't sound right about this case. It, it, all through the um, like the uh, the the vlogs, the mm-hmm. blogs, people in the community was like, no, something ain't right about this. And another aspect of it, the summons that they're talking about, I believe I said it the last time we spoke. Uh, we had a tribe meeting. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this guy pushed me a f- few times, and then I smacked him. Mm-hmm. So they called the police, and the police tried to talk to me, and I have it on my Facebook. It's actually on my Facebook, the video. And I was like, you guys don't have jurisdiction up here. I don't want to talk to y'all. They leave. Mm-hmm. Nine days later, they came to my house, which was Friday. No, my partner myself. Part of self. It was um, July 29th, mm-hmm. which was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Knocking on my door at 9 in the morning. To, to serve paperwork. And um, he's like, we just have some paperwork to um to uh, serve. I come out the house like, what's up? I have on no shirt, basketball shorts, and slippers. I said, so, what, so what's up? Oh, nothing, Julian. We just have, they know my first name. They said, we just have some paperwork to serve to you. I look, there's three officers. He has no paperwork in his hand. So I said, who's the complainant? He said, oh, well, it's over in the car. 
So if you came in to serve paperwork, why didn't you have it on your person at the time that you knocked on my door? Mm -hmm. It goes to show you that it wasn't, they were just trying to establish some type of probable cause. The lawyer who was working against me, because I always said I always had assistance to counsel. I never accepted a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Assistance to counsel is pursuant to the Sixth Amendment. You don't have to have an attorney. I'll use assistance to counsel because they're not going to railroad me like they're trying to do. So um, um, I told her, I said, well, the process over New York State process over rules states that you can't serve paperwork on a Sunday. I know that from going through the family courts, which is another whole another scam of law. I, I, I know this. So you tried, she said, well, they had probable cause. No, they didn't. The probable cause that they think that they established is invalid because they came to serve paperwork on a Sunday. And according to process over rules, you're supposed to abide by the laws and know the laws. You're not supposed to come to my house on a Sunday to serve a summons, a violation, not even a crime. It doesn't make no sense. So they tried to establish some type of So it wasn't a criminal they, summons that they were saying that they were serving to you. That's what, that's what they were talking about. And mm-hmm. that was harassment in the second degree mm-hmm. for smacking the guy. I didn't harass him. I didn't go out my way to threaten him or anything. I just smacked him, which is a violation. Mm-hmm. And Technically, that was self-defense because he pushed me three times and kept lunging at me. And the last time, I backed up and smacked him real quick. Like, all right, instead of me knocking him out, you know what I'm saying? He's older, like, I'm just going to smack you. So they made it seem like I was the aggressor, and I started that. And that was the, the, the way that they could validate they were being here. Now, there is something called the plain view doctrine, meaning if you They see something in plain view. Yeah. Yeah. And they were exactly. hoping that they could see something if you open your door. Hey. Exactly. Maybe they can but like it, violate you, but that only applies if there's valid probable cause, or else, pursuant to MAP versus Ohio, MAPP versus Ohio, all evidence seized in an unauthorized or invalid search and seizure is inadmissible in a court of law. You see, they know I knew all this stuff. This is why I'm sitting in a psych ward right now mm-hmm. to test to see if I'm competent to stand trial. I talked to these psychiatrists today. I said, I'm not worried about going to trial. I'm not even worried about time. It's just a matter of these people are not abiding by their own laws. You mm-hmm. know, they, they the jail kept my mail from me. They put me in, like, max uh, booth visits since the first day I came into jail. My mom came to visit me. They just they did a lot. They wouldn't let my family drop off money to me. This is serious because they know that I know that what they did was wrong. You see? So they're trying to wear you out. Exactly. And that's not going to work. This is Khalif Broder to the max. Mm -hmm. So imagine if he would have known a piece of the law. They would have sent him to a place like this. He ended up taking his life. But if he really had mental issues... Could this place have helped them, or could it have? Would, would, would the same outcome have happened? And the three million dollars they gave to his family as hush money was, is that suffice? Because they're not talking about his story no more. You see, mm-hmm. so this is bigger than that. And then his issue, or my issue, this is a, this is like a, this is like a. I look at it as like, uh, 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 <laughs> why can I say it? Uh, just going against people of color in my eyes, mm-hmm. because they don't have the representation that they need in these courts. And I'll, I'll say that it's it's ironic that on the 11th, no, the 11th I, I came here, the 10th was Sunday, right? Ironically, my mother came to see me. I was in the yard at the time. They called me 45 minutes 
after we in the yard to go on a visit. I had to go upstairs, wait, and go to my visit late. I had 15 minutes of my visit. They was expecting my mother to leave. I didn't even know she was coming. I didn't give her notification that I was going to bring her paperwork because they've been messing with my mail. The mail I send out, they won't let it send out. They won't let me get certain letters because they, they, they can't let this stuff get out. Ironically, I had already had the paperwork that I wanted to get out to her already ready. So all I had to do was go change my clothes, get the manila envelope that I had, and I went to the visit and I sent it right out to her, which has two indictments, one that my aunt got from the clerk's office and one that the lawyer, the lawyer, tried to give me because I told him I don't have a true and correct copy of the indictment, which I'm supposed to have to know the charges that I'm being charged with. They gave it to me in court, which had the district attorney's signature on it. I've seen the district attorney's signature on it. That was forged. So how is there one at the clerk's office that doesn't have a signature and the one you guys give me in court has a signature on it? And then it has like a colon and then MJM. Like this isn't the district attorney, but I'm signing for him. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, because the district attorney wouldn't be foolish enough to sign that because the indictment is defective. For instance, the top charge says criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree. The criminal procedure law for that is criminal procedure law 265.03. And then you must specify if it's in the second, third subdivision. The third is unless it's in a place, um, you must have, you, it's when a person lawfully and knowingly with intent, mm-hmm. uh, with intent to harm someone possesses a loaded firearm and that's subdivision one and two. And then three says unless possession takes place in one's home or place of business mm-hmm. where my home is is my business if if i was guilty of that charge and i'm not so they couldn't charge me with that for anyway you know for two the criminal procedure law they have on the indictment is 260.03 there ain't even a charge for that so no district and that, that's most of the charges on the indictment the criminal procedure law code doesn't, doesn't match, match up, up to it Mm, no district attorney would be foolish enough to sign an indictment that is defective. And then there's a rule 250, um, which states that you must have particular particularity of the indictment, which means that you have to have the specified offense and um, the uh, like the information pertaining to such in the indictment. It don't say none of that. It just says on this date he was in possession of this. Whoa. Possession means on my person, but then they have constructive possession, which means that you you had com- dominion and control. How mm-hmm. do I have dominion and control over something if I'm three miles down the road and then y'all go on a nation and then go bust my door down? You don't find nothing there, and then you go into some random car that I don't own, that isn't mine, that I don't have control over, and charge me with anything that you find in there. So very quickly, and, 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 I, I and think the lawyers it's know this. I, I think and it's the lawyers very. Know. I think I'm sorry. No, I was saying I think it's important. There, there. Um, from what I understand, there are two uh, key types of possession. One of them is constructive. I can't remember which one. Um, I was watching an interview with John Forte, who was a, a hip hop artist who was actually locked up for possession of liquid uh, cocaine. I think he said it was. Yeah, and he, I, I and he got like nine years or something like that or whatever. He didn't have it on yeah. his person, but he he had intent to distribute it. So they got him on what is constructive and physical, right? Yeah. He has to have a spatial relationship, and it must be in his immediate control. There's a case called Chimmel, 
C-H-I-M-E-L versus United States. You have to have immediate control. It must be in your immediate reach, meaning if an officer was to come into in, in, your, in your circumference, if you can reach for something, you could be charged with that, mm-hmm. which would be impossible in my case. See, this is dangerous because to, 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 to um, law enforcement and to, to the legal system, because if people know a piece of what I know, lawyers don't make no money. You see? Point, and here's another aspect of it. I told the lawyer that due to his ineffectiveness, of count, ineffectiveness, I no longer want him to serve as my, as my assistant to counsel. On the record, both lawyers, I put in a grievance to the Bar Association in Hawpaw, Long Island. The Bar Association wrote me back and said there was nothing wrong in this case. Wait a second. I know the, pro, the, um, the protocol. They're supposed to inform the lawyer of my allegation, the lawyer is supposed to give a written defense of such, and then they decipher if it's valid or not and can impose sanctions. Mm-hmm. So this is this is like bad, bad. Like I said, I wrote against the um the judge. Mm-hmm. I put in a, a grievance to the judicial, I mean, the commission of judicial misconduct based on what he's doing. He failed to provide me equal protection of the law, and then he tried to give me a psych evaluation, like I told you the last time, which is. Criminal Procedure Law 730.30. This is supposed to be done before the the action is presented to the grand jury. I'm six months in now. This, More than so six the, months. Exactly. So the psychiatrist here, I told him, I said, I don't, these, these people try, keep trying to take my blood. I'm like, I'm not giving you my blood. My blood is my property. I said, I'm not supposed to be here pursuant to 730.30 or the subdivision one. He goes, he had to wait hours and hours and hours, and then he comes call me in his office later that day and goes, "Well, yeah, you you, you mentioned seven thirty point thirty. You you're actually here under seven thirty point fifty. I said, "Well, that'll be impossible because you have to establish seven thirty point thirty before you can get to seven thirty point fifty, which means that the judge ruled and gave made an order for further evaluation, as they would call it. This is absurd what they're doing to people, man." So I got to go through this to prove that I'm competent to stand trial. This is a disservice, man. Yeah. You know? Well, brother, again, again, I, I felt it was important because the article, again, is what cemented in my mind that I needed to mm-hmm. I needed to get more information. And yes. thankfully, um, our, our, our mutual uh, friend was able to put me in direct contact with you so we can speak um, one-to-one. Uh, so mm-hmm. it wasn't any... Uh, hearsay or secondhand information, whatever. I wanted to hear yeah. directly from you. Um, I feel as though I have the information I need to to basically provide. I'm going to let your words speak for themselves. I yes. think you directly... Is there anything else, an article that stood out to you that you wanted to address uh, with regard oh, to... The, the speedy trial limitations. Pursuant to what Criminal Procedure Law 30.30, you have 90 days to be ready for trial. It would be impossible for the district attorney to be ready for trial because I would have been given my um, my discovery. Like, like the lawyer is supposed to put in a motion of discovery 15 days after your arraignment. I didn't get that. So that would be ineffectiveness of counsel right there. Every lawyer knows that. Like you're supposed to put in your motion of discovery to prepare a proper defense in case you were to go to trial. Failure to do that would be denial of um, the right to a fair trial. Then you're supposed to get your bill of particulars, meaning – this is the evidence that the district attorney has to present to the jury to a find you guilty or not guilty. Will not guilty would be exculpatory evidence. The district attorney has exculpatory evidence because, based on what the lawyers already told me, 
they have evidence to prove that I'm not guilty of of the of the charges they charged me with. The law, the the um, the um, what was I gonna say? The uh, the officer lied and said I said I was gonna shoot him. Why wouldn't you arrest me right then and there? That proves he was lying. So he had to go to his superiors and well say we said this because making a terroristic threat, you have to threaten them with physical force of some kind that you're going to harm them. I never said anything like that. I said you're not you're not allowed up here and you 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 don't have the jurisdiction to be up here. So they just said anything, and then he goes to say well. And then he said, I said, I'm a two-time felon, which proves they're lying because in my past, I, was, I have three felonies. Mm-hmm. You think I wouldn't know this? Mm-hmm. You, oh, I, I, I just, I know all this law, but I, I slipped that. I slipped on that and didn't know that. You know, so like I said, you have 90 days to be ready for trial. And then you have six months to bring the action for trial. Okay, so they I know this. So I have, I have to I have to ask this question because you um, you introduced information about having three felonies. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, is it is it um, improper or illegal for you to own a a twelve gauge shotgun? You said what? Is it is it illegal for you to own a shotgun? I was off parole, in on the on the, the nation. Mm-hmm. It's lawful because okay. it's not the public. It's not off the reservation. I'm not the owner of the shotgun, but mm-hmm. the burden of proof isn't on me. Mm-hmm. The woman who actually bought the shotgun is Anais for her husband, but mm-hmm. I shouldn't have to prove this to them. You broke down my door without a warrant and found a, a, a shotgun that wasn't even put together that posed no threat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see, you know, which is actually, it's actually a misdemeanor anyway, mm-hmm. you know. So what are they going to say? The most they can say is they dropped the charge of the, the concentrated cannabis because I told them on the record. I said what they thought. I said, for the record, what they thought was THC oil was CBD. not THC oil. I said if they would have tested it, they would have seen that it was CBD oil and had minimal uh, uh, marijuana in it. They dismissed that charge. You see? So what they could, the only thing they could charge you with is the misdemeanor unlawfully growing a marijuana, which... I would win at trial because the reservation is sovereign, as far as self, the Shinnecock Nation is a sovereign nation. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that was for a business mm-hmm. that I was getting off the ground. As, as, you know, as my cousin Kay knows, as Corey knows this, which I made a topical ointment to help psoriasis and um, eczema and, and sunburn and dandruff, a miracle mm-hmm. ointment it, it, to help people. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it's insane, man. And I'm sitting in a psychiatric center right now, two hours away from Southampton in Manhattan right now, called Kirby. Uh, it's Kirby Manhattan Mental, Mental Institution, something like that. Like They could have took me to Stony Brook. They bring me all the way out here. This is ridiculous, man. But you know, I'm going to fight for the people. They ain't going to break me. But it's just sad that I got to go through this, man. I'm, I got two children, man. <laughs> you know? But, uh, I mean, I don't, th- I don't know if I can think of anything else, but that's because I don't even get my law work, nothing. Everything I'm saying is off my off off, off of memory. Mm-hmm. You know? so that's how I, that's how embedded in the law I have had been in the last ten years, and more so in the last six months. Study, 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 because I had to prepare myself. I can you dig know? it. These people don't don't want to go to trial. Even the officer downstairs when I came here said, "Oh, yeah, they're just trying to buy time for trial." I'm like, "Yeah." So y'all seen this before, huh? Because this. 
other people who have been in Riverhead Jail that got sent to these places because they applied and they asserted the law. Now, they'll tell you ignorance of the law is no excuse and then railroad you. But then when you learn the law, they send you to a place like this and says, oh, he's, he's incompetent. He's incapacitated. He, 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 he's crazy. What? It, it, it's crazy to think that one would take this treatment and continue to just not do nothing about it. That, that, that's like an oxymoron. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Wait a minute. He knows the law. Send him to the crazy house. You know. But, you know, it'll be all right. It's at this point that the interview pretty much gets wrapped up. I say my niceties, he says his, and we pretty much uh, agree that um, I have what I need and I'm going to move forward with what he has given me. So there are a couple things that I wanted to point out. First and foremost, I thought it was extremely important for this individual to be able to speak on his own behalf and to speak to the facts and the truth as he knows it. My goal was not to heavily edit anything. Uh, the main thing that I edited out of this is the third party that was on the line that did not want to be involved in this. He pretty much, like I did, wanted Julian's words to speak for Julian. There are a number of things that I think are important about this case, and I could sit here and, and list them off. But what I would like you to take away from this is not unlike Khalif Browder, we have a lot of individuals who are not necessarily in the public eye, who are for one reason or another mistreated by the system that is actually supposed to be protecting their best interests. I don't know Julian Pellissier. My first interaction with him was when I did the first interview. My second interaction with him was when I did the second interview. I have not spoken to him since. What I can say is, from what I can gather, and I'm not perfect, I believe what he was saying is truthful. I don't personally believe that this is an accident on the part of the legal system, on the part of the police. I believe that a lot of this is deliberate. I can't say with any certitude who's playing what hand and where, but I do believe that he is being victimized by the system right now. It is for this reason that I wanted to make sure that this podcast got out to you, the listener, so you can formulate your own opinions, your own ideas, your own thoughts. And hopefully, along with me, you can perhaps raise some awareness about this issue, because I assure you that Khalif Browder is not the only one. And I'm not comparing the two. I'm not saying Khalif Browder is the same as Julian Pellissier. But what I'm saying is the system has issues that need to be addressed. At the end of the day, the truth seems to be intentionally being buried. And again, that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to make sure that this got out to you. So I mean this sincerely. If this struck a chord with you, please share it. If it struck a chord with you, please talk about it. Please ask other people to listen to it to share it and please have larger conversations about this issue because i assure you that julian pelissier is not the only one but we want him to be the last so with all that being said i personally am wishing my best for julian pelissier i am also wishing my best to you the listener and until next time i wish you all the best god bless stay blessed stay woke. one